Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pigskin Pundits on this Tuesday, February 28th, 2017, New York Jets edition on Block Talk Radio. I am Mark Ferraro, pleased to be joined, as always, by my good buddy, Thomas Murphy, the Murph dog himself. What's up, man? Are you ready to end the month of February with a bang? Oh, absolutely, man. The shortest month always seems to fly by so quickly. And, uh, yeah, we actually chose a uh, chose the right week to uh, to uh, do this show, man, because a lot of lots happened to the Jets in the past week. It definitely has. If everyone didn't know, last week we did all the show about the Buffalo Bills. This week it's about the New York Jets. And, Tom, you mentioned it. They have been in the news the last couple of days mainly because of all the veteran cuts that they made. And, Tom, we talked about this right before we came on the air. They had to make these moves. It was It's tough, especially with some of these notable names, but because they need all the cap space they can get, the four cuts as we stand here today have been Ryan Clady, Breno Giacomini, Nick Folk, and most notably seven-time pro bowler Nick Mangold. I know. All those cuts on the offensive line, that's uh... – you know, it's pretty wild. And, uh, I mean, yeah, Nick Folk, too. I just know how uh, <clears throat> how kickers are, uh, you know, kind of uh, having a having a kicker who was not successful the past few years. They're kind of hard to come by. So, hoping maybe the Bills are taking a look at a Nick Folk if he still has uh, if he still has something left. But, uh, yeah, you know, hopefully you can make something do with all of that uh, money you're going to save. Yeah, all those four cuts the Jets made – Save them over $25 million. And before all those cuts, Tom, they were at the bottom of the NFL in terms of cap space. Now, they're still not great. I think they're actually around the same with the Bills, close to $20 million. But these moves had to be made, and we're going to break it down one by one. And the first one we mentioned was Ryan Clady, Tom, which was a no-brainer because, Tom, unfortunately for this guy, he just can't stay healthy. And because they declined his option, Tom, it saved them ten million dollars. Yeah, no, like you said, it's a no-brainer. You know, it's uh, no matter how. Uh, I mean, at one point, Clady, I think there was one season Clady was actually arguably considered the best offense lineman in the NFL back when he was in Denver. But when you have a player who just can't stay healthy, you know, it's just uh, when they're taking that much money, it's just you just have to you just have to part ways and uh, you know try and find somebody who's actually going to stay on the field. And, Tom, we also talked about this before we came on the air. Right now, the Jets only have two offensive linemen pretty much starting, and that's both guard positions, James Carpenter and Brian Winters, who, oh, by the way, they re-signed Brian Winters a few weeks ago, which was huge because if they didn't, he would have also been a free agent. So the Jets did a nice job bringing back Winters. So Clady's gone. They might have an in-house replacement. Ben Aizelana, but he is a free agent as well. So the Jets might want to look to re-sign him. Well, yes, Clady was a no-brainer. And Tom, and Tom, it was the same for me in terms of Breno Giacomini because, again, it saves some cap space. And like Ryan Clady, he was also hurt last year. Oh, yeah, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, he may actually end up going to the draft for a lot of uh, – to fill a lot of these holes, uh, you know, probably save uh, – probably save some money. I mean, I just kind of noticed, uh, I mean, you know, you, you re-signed two guards, um, 
you know, to switch gears to another team. I noticed last night the Kansas City Chiefs, I don't even know if you ever heard this guy, they re-signed a guard of theirs, uh, Laurent Torif Duvernay. And, hmm. you know, I've, I've heard the name briefly, but he got a five-year, $41 million contract. Hmm. So that's just kind of showing you where, like, mid uh, kind of mid-level guards are going nowadays uh, at about $8 million a year. So it's uh, – <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, they're not going to be they're not going to be too cheap in free agency. So it seems like a lot of uh, your offensive line is probably going to have to be uh, revamped through the draft. Yeah, that's a pretty good uh, chunk of change there, Tom, for a guy that I never heard of until just now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I of course I am a little more in tune with the Chiefs because one of my very good friends is a big Chiefs fan, and uh, yeah, he's like a sixth round pick a couple years ago. Just came just started as a starter last season was pretty decent. I mean, definitely didn't uh, make a name for himself in the NFL, but uh, you know, when, uh, when you need help, when you need to uh, fortify an offensive line, you know, uh, you'll find teams will pretty much be willing to spend anything. And that's a little bit of a tease because we are actually going to talk a little bit about the chiefs a little later in one of their quarterbacks. So we'll get into that in a little bit, but I did see a report yesterday, Tom, that the Jets might actually be interested in another Broncos offense alignment, and that's left tackle Russell Otong, who the Broncos declined his option, making him a free agent, because, Tom, the Jets can have all these in-house replacements, and they sound great because, obviously, they will be cheap. But the Jets, either, like you mentioned, through the draft or free agency, they're going to have to bring in some veterans on that offensive line. Yeah, you know, and uh, I mean, Okung, of course, we remember him as being a uh, sixth overall pick a few years ago uh, from Oklahoma State. Um, but, uh, you know, I know uh, he kind of had a pretty, was doing pretty solid with the, uh, you know, with the Seahawks there for a bit. And then, uh, but when he went to the Broncos, I know uh, they were not very, they weren't very pleased with his performance. I mean, he's probably okay, but definitely not getting, um, living up to his contract billing. So, yeah, I'm wondering uh, at what price tag he would uh, he would be coming to the Jets at. Well, you know, I mentioned Ben Ijelana as an in-house replacement, and I'll tell you something. The guy who stepped up in place of Breno Giacomini when he went down with the injury, and that is the nephew of Art Snell, Brandon Shell, who I'll tell you, Tom, that guy played pretty well down the stretch, the rookie from South Carolina. Now, I know it's limited action, and I don't know if the Jets are going to really throw him into the fire coming in 2017, but I'll tell you something. In a couple games he played last season, he did pretty well, and the Jets need that in the worst possible way because I believe he was either a fourth or fifth round pick last year. So if you can get someone like him playing every day for you, that's going to be even help them in terms of uh, keeping that cap space lower and putting a guy – Who's, bail- who's pretty much time making no money. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I, um, I do remember that name. I guess I forgot that he went to the Jets, uh, you know, from uh, South Carolina. I know, uh, yeah, I saw him in uh, mock drafts, you know, of course, because we know for like the month of March and April pretty much I look at mock drafts about three hours a day. So his, uh, I definitely came across his name. Um, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, at least he has some of that experience, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that he will be given a very, very strong look. Because like you said, I mean, $20 million is uh, – um, I mean, it's a great number for you to have now because for the past year and a half, I mean, remember all of last year, I think well, the question 
to asking you is where are the, where are the jets finding all of this money? <laughs> but, uh, it seems like, yeah, they did find some money. And, uh, I mean, I know, I know for a fact with being a bills fan, having 20 million, we'd much rather, we'd like to have a lot more cap space, uh, you know, to complete some, complete some things. But, uh, yeah, no, uh, definitely at the, uh, pressure probably getting Brandon shell and what he was able to, uh, what he was able to accomplish accomplish in a limited play last year, I think he'll be given a very strong look. Yep, and I double-checked last year, fifth-round pick, 158th overall in the draft out of South Carolina. Now, Tom, we get to the most notable name that was cut on Saturday, obviously a guy who meant so much to the Jets organization, especially with me growing up. That's all I remember is Nick Mangle, the center, 11 seasons, seven-time Pro Bowler, a class act, a leader on and off the field. But, again, this is a guy last year, Tom, who was hurt. He missed a lot of the games last year with an ankle injury. And because the Jets need all the cap space they can get, when they released Nick Mangold, it saved them $9 million. And there's no doubt, Tom, and we even saw reports recently, that Nick Mangold will definitely find some suitors, especially for all these contending teams, because he's only 33 years old and he still has a lot of football left in the tank for a guy who, Tom, I'm hearing, is definitely a borderline Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he'll, uh, you know, garner a few votes for the uh, Hall of Fame. It's a crazy great career he's had, you know, he's definitely been one of the best centers for nearly a decade now. And, uh, you know, at his, at his age of 33, probably has a few uh, good years left. And uh, I definitely know there will be some teams very, uh, very willing to uh, sign him. And uh, I mean, not even the teams who need a center, just like a team that needs an upgrade, you know, there's definitely, uh, definitely some centers that could be uh, replaced. And uh, yeah, they could definitely use a player like Nick Mangold until they find their center for the future. Yeah, Tom, if you go back to that 2006 NFL draft and just the first two picks in the first round, okay, we know fourth overall they took the Brickishaw Ferguson. But let's not forget, they also traded up in the first round of that draft to select Nick Mangold. So think about that for a second. They drafted Ferguson and Mangold in the same draft in the same round. Two guys, obviously, Tom, who were leaders on that team and gave them so much for so many years. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm just trying to think. I mean, that was so long ago. I'm, uh, you know, when you trade, when you take uh, two offensive linemen in the first round, I mean, man, how bad was the Jets' offensive line in that uh, 2005 season that, uh, that, that they went and did that? But I kind of noticed uh, probably in the past, like, uh, 10 years, um, you know, center is such a uh, key piece of that offensive line. You've actually seen some teams actually trading up uh, into the first round to actually grab a, uh, you know, a high a high profile center. Uh, my team did it back in 2009 when we traded into the first round to select Eric Wood uh, out of Louisville, who's uh, made a made a Pro Bowl or two, and uh, definitely hasn't had the career Nick Mangold has had, but has. Uh, you know, definitely made a name for himself in the NFL. And I believe the Cowboys just did it in 2013, and they actually made a, what many considered a reach in center Travis Frederick out of Wisconsin. And, yeah, all those people who were 
uh, we're calling him a reacher, completely eating crow now, as Travis Frederick has completely made a name as himself as one of the top five centers in the NFL. If not, some people even consider him the best. So, yeah, it just goes to show the importance of uh, having a good, uh, good, uh, good person lined up in center. And think about this, Tom, since 1998, so pretty much ever since I've been following the New York Jets, I've only seen two consistent centers. Obviously, Nick Mangold, and we can't forget about the great Kevin Mawai. Of course, I was wondering which uh, name you were going to throw out there. That's right, Kevin Mawai. I know he actually uh, he went to the Jets. He actually, uh, you know, he kind of alternated between center and guard a bit, but he definitely found his niche at uh, center there with the Jets. So, uh, yeah, uh, definitely as a Bills fan, since uh, since 1998, I have seen way more than two centers uh uh, for the Bills, um, besides after the great Kent Hall, who was our center for about 10 years. But, uh, yeah, Wood has definitely been the most consistent. But, yeah, no, that's very impressive having those two. Uh, yeah, both of those were very uh, – were made themselves very present in the Pro Bowl, too. Yeah, we talked about Ajalana. We talked about Shell in terms of in-house replacements. But one guy who I think will start at center for the Jets next season because he played so much last year, and that's Wes Johnson. So I think he'll probably end up being the center. You might see some of these other guys I mentioned. You might see a veteran or two or a rookie. So the Jets still have a lot of work left to do on that offensive line. At least the guard positions are figured out. But in terms of the two tackle spots and center, they still have some work to do. And, Tom, the last cut that we have to talk about, and that saved them a few million, and you mentioned it before, that's Nick Folk, who, Tom, seven years with the Jets, he was very consistent, made big kick after big kick, and there's no doubt, like Nick Mangold, Nick Folk will definitely find a home next year in 2017. Oh, yeah, there's going to be um, – yeah, he'll uh... – he definitely will not be unemployed very long. Uh, you know, I mentioned my team could be looking at him. Uh, also, don't count out the uh, Seattle the Seattle Seahawks, who recently cut Stephen Hauschka uh, for his uh, tendency to miss a lot of extra points last year. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Nick Folk, I mean, I've definitely, as soon as I saw that, I was definitely, uh, my eyebrow raised a little bit. Because not only his uh, great career with the Jets, was actually very solid with the Cowboys, the team that he started uh that he started with. Uh, remember, yeah, he had a couple of uh, very long 50-yard game winners. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely uh, his res- his resume will s- just speaks for itself. And uh, yeah, I definitely I definitely see him uh, not being on a, on the unemployment market uh, too long. I hate to bring this up, but what, was it one of those game-winning kicks against your Bills on Monday night in Buffalo? That is absolutely right. I was uh, I was going to say that I felt I had mentioned the Bills uh, a little too much on this uh, Jet show, but I tend to do that anyway. And uh, yeah, maybe I just wanted to conveniently forget that the 55-yarder against the Bills was uh, uh, yeah, that definitely won the game for them. So, uh, but yeah, so yeah, he definitely has a he's definitely uh, done some damage to Buffalo, and who knows, maybe come September he'll be doing some damage for Buffalo. Again, you're listening to the Pigskin Pundits on Block Talk Radio. I'm Mark Ferraro. He's Thomas Murphy. And we're talking about all the offseason plans and moves so far made 
by the New York Jets. And we'll go back to Nick Folk for just one second, because in terms of who his replacement will be, well, may, I highly doubt, even though he's going to be in competition, the ex-Duke kicker Ross Martin, who, you know, who broke some records in the ACC and this and that. But if you're the Jets, you obviously have to bring in a veteran presence at the kicker position, considering that Ross Martin was in competition with Nick Folk last spring, last summertime, and then make it. So the Jets have to bring in some veteran uh, to compete with Ross Martin this season. And the Jets also declined the option on Aaron Henderson. That saved them a few million as well. But, Tom, that's not going to stop the Jets. It seems that they're going to make this a lot more interesting in free agency and more moves will come. And that's going to start with Darrell Revis, Tom. Say what you want about the whole allocation in Pittsburgh, what really happened, this and that. But, Tom, even if that incident did not happen, that did, that did not change my initial thought initially about Darrell Revis. Tom, it's time to say goodbye to him as well. Oh, absolutely. You know, the past uh, past two years, he has just not been the same Darrell Revis that uh, you know, we remember from the uh, last parts of the uh, previous decade. Uh, yeah, just has definitely, uh, definitely lost a step. Uh, yeah, and yeah, definitely, I imagine the Jets will have to part ways, and uh, I think it seems a little more and more likely uh, that uh, the Jets could be using their sixth overall pick on a defensive back, maybe even taking the top corner available, uh, which we talked last week could be Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, yeah, it's just definitely, definitely, definitely time to move on from Revis, and um, I think it just may be wise for Revis to retire and just get a uh, just get himself in order and, you know, we'll look back on the great career that he had and just, uh, just realize that it's time to hang it up. Yeah. You know, it was an ugly situation in Pittsburgh. I mean, are we really going to know the true story? Maybe not, maybe we will, but in terms of, you know, the two men unconscious and Revis trying to take the phone because they were recording him and he threw it in the street. And then you see a video on TMZ of two guys unconscious, unconscious and a voice in the background, which is not Darrell Revis's voice, by the way. I think all of us can tell there. But Revis was charged with four felonies and a misdemeanor, so a very ugly situation. But, Tom, I was never interested in the whole talk about moving him to safety because, as you mentioned, Tom, his play has declined. And we saw that early in the season. I was there in week one when A.J. Green beat him for that touchdown and happened in week two against your Bills and Mr. Goodwin. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, I mean, and also in the previous year uh, in the game, we uh, we still remember, you guys got your revenge last year, but in 2015, uh, Sammy Watkins was just uh, oh. all over him and just, uh, you know, just could not, uh, you know, Revis could just could not contain him. Uh, and it's just, you know, five years ago, that would have been a completely different story. Uh, he was, I mean, Revis just would just shut down everybody. So, yeah, it's just uh just a different story now. I mean, I just, I don't, I don't see him bouncing back, you know, not at, uh, you know, not at 31, especially after the two bad years that he's, that he's had. So I think it's just time to call it a day. Yes. Cap number is too big this year. I think it's a little over $15 million for a guy who's clearly, clearly not the same player. And as you mentioned before, Tom, I love Revis. He's one of my favorite jets. I have his Jersey number 24, what he did all those years, 
especially in 2009-2010, shutting down receivers left and right, limiting their stats every single week. But it's time. It's just time to move on, and they're going to cut him before March 10th because on that date, he is due a $2 million roster bonus. That will not happen. So the Jets, you would think, are going to cut ties with him before them, before that, eat the $6 million in dead money. And, Tom, if they get rid of Gerard Rivas, that saves them another $9 million in cap space, which, as we talked about, they desperately, desperately need. Oh, absolutely. You know, they could actually, uh, yeah, they could actually make a huge uh, dent in free agency if they were able to get that extra money too. And uh, I mean, yeah, you would, uh, it may give you an excuse to get a new Jersey. I have a feeling, uh, I have a good feeling that maybe Leonard Williams could be the next Jersey uh, on your, uh, on, on your Amazon wish list there. Well, you know what? It's funny you mention that because over the years, I have made some poor, you know, some poor choices when it comes to jerseys. Most notably, obviously, I was a fool to get uh, Brett Favre's jersey uh, just that one season when he was here. <laughs> but you know, obviously, at first it was looking pretty good, eight and three. But then everything fell apart, and the Jets ended up losing the division that year, nine and seven. And of course, who won the division that year? Chad Pennington and the Miami Dolphins. So I don't know if I – yeah, I always get nervous when it comes to jerseys because it never seems to work out. And I'll tell you one quick story. Last year, when the Jets re-signed Muhammad Wilkerson, I did not get his jersey, but I got his T-shirt with his name and number on the back. And Muhammad Wilkerson arguably had his worst season as a Jet, of course, at, when I get his T-shirt. So I might just have to stay away from that for a little bit. But, yeah, Revis, he has to go. It's time to move on. But, Tom, that's not going to stop the Jets from making more moves. And I'll tell you something, because if they get rid of Darrell Revis, Tom, they're going to invest, I think, in that cornerback situation. You mentioned the draft, and maybe they'll take Lattimore, but this free agent class of cornerbacks is pretty impressive with some young talent, whether it's uh, Johnson from the Rams or Stephon Gilmore, your buddy from Buffalo, or Logan Ryan. There's so many options in free agency, Tom which I think the Jets are going to pounce there when we get to the uh, famous date when free agency starts. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, and uh, I mean, I think uh, I think it's looking more and more likely that Gilmore uh, will not be retained by the Bills, and I think it's time for Bills to move on from him. You just, uh, uh, I mean, I've talked about it. Sometimes you just never know what Stephon uh the knock on him is you don't know what Stephon Gilmore you're going to get each and every day. Uh, sometimes he looks like one of the top, a top five corner in the NFL. And some days it just looks like he, uh, you know, that he's, you know, playing to make sure he doesn't get injured and uh, save his contract or something. Uh, yeah. You just, just never know with him. The talent's definitely there. Just sometimes it's the, uh, the lack of effort that is very worrisome, but regardless if it's the jets, the bills, some team is going to uh, make Stephon Gilmore a very rich man. And one guy that I did not mention for obvious reason, I saved him for last, and that is a 25-year-old cornerback from the Texans, A.J. Boye. And the reason why I left him out, because I am connecting the dots here, okay? Let's not forget Boye was an undrafted free agent signing from the Houston Texans. Do you know who the director of college scouting was a couple of years ago for the Texans, Mike McCagnett, who is now the GM of the New York Jets. So maybe the Jets are saving all this cap space 
to make a play for the young cornerback of the Houston Texans, A.J. Boye. Man, you know what? That would make you one of the winners in uh, free agency because I know he is considered the top-rated uh, top rated cornerback uh, in this free agent class, uh, you know, ahead of the other three you had mentioned who were actually all drafted. Um, you know, Tremaine uh, mentioned Tremaine Johnson from the Rams. You know, he's actually had a uh, very good uh, interception uh, number for the past uh, few seasons, but I think he uh, he kind of runs into some inconsistency issues too. But Boye uh, definitely had a fantastic season last year. Uh, definitely made his presence felt in that uh, playoff game against the uh, Patriots with a big pick on uh, Tom Brady. But um, yeah, I could definitely uh, yeah. The, the Jets were able to make that work, and it seems like the the ties are there. Could uh, could happen? Uh, that would be one of the biggest splashes in free agency. Yeah, this is one of the areas where the Jets need to pounce, especially when you look at the ages of these cornerbacks. They're all relatively young. None of them are over 28 years old, and the Jets are getting that calf space that they need. So I think one of these guys they have to go after. You know, there are some second tier guys. When you look at the market, whether it's, you know, Morris Claiborne or DJ Hayden or Prince Amukamora, the ex-Giants cornerback, so maybe they'll go in that direction as well. But, Tom, they have to retool the secondary because it was bad, and it was very surprising that it took a step back in year two of Todd Bowles. Yeah, no, absolutely. That was definitely uh, definitely pretty uh, pretty surprising. Um no, and it's funny that you mentioned those uh, those three second uh, second tier guys you mentioned because those were all first uh, first round draft picks, uh, very high, uh, especially Morris Claiborne. It was, you know, when he was drafted, was touted to be one of the best, uh, like t- that he was going to be one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, and that just simply hasn't happened. He's been serviceable; he will get a contract, but yeah, definitely, uh, you know, not in the same level as the four guys that you mentioned previously. And don't be surprised if we see between now and the start of free agency more moves to come by the Jets, more veterans start with Marcus Gilchrist. I can see the Jets cutting ties with him and one of their veteran receivers. I don't think it'll be Eric Decker, even though he came off a big injury. I think the guy, Tom, that they're going to end up releasing, and that will be Brandon Marshall, because if they do that, that will save them close to $8 million which is almost the amount of drops he had last season as well. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that's uh, – I mean, man, if you cut Marshall, that would just be uh, – it would be one of the biggest guttings, I think, in uh, NFL history with uh, when it comes to the Jets. It would save you a lot of money. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it could just – it could absolutely be a new team out there next season. No, it seems like they're heading in that direction. With all the moves they made so far – and the moves that I think are still going to be made, I think it's possible because Brandon Marshall, listen, that year with Fitzpatrick in 2015, he was unbelievable. He had 14 touchdowns. He was a beast every single week, 100 yards receiving, multiple touchdowns. But last year, it was awful. And then you hear about the whole thing in week three, maybe the uh, little bit of a locker room altercation between him and Sheldon Richardson in week three, mind you. Week three against KC, and as I mentioned, he dropped seven passes. So I think the Jets are going to cut. I think they're going to get rid of Marshall, especially. We'll get to this in a little bit because of the young receivers they have on their roster. So don't be surprised 
if Marshall goes as well. And then you talk about the trade market. And we saw an article from Rich Samini, Tom. I think the Jets are going to try their best to trade a guy who just seems to get in an awful lot of trouble, and that's Sheldon Richardson. Uh, yeah, you know, it's a uh, oh, shame about Sheldon Richardson. You know, we've been, uh, I've mentioned his name a lot on this show. And I mean, I think he's just absolutely one of the, uh, you know, one of the best defensive linemen I've seen in the past few years, but just can't stay out of trouble. It's, uh, yeah, it's very similar to uh, our man in Buffalo, Marcel Darius, who uh, has been suffering few suspensions here or just a couple disciplinary actions and then some injuries but you know it's like but when you know when both of these guys uh marcel and you know sheldon on their respective teams when they're on the field you know their presence is absolutely felt and uh yeah it's just a shame that uh you know they just uh can't seem to get keep themselves out of trouble yeah, and Jeff fans are probably going to complain because, and I'm one of them, but I'm not going to complain, though, if they get rid of him and they end up, let's say they get a third or fourth round pick for him, which I think is going to be the case. I would be very surprised if you see a team give the Jets a second round pick or, dare I say, a late round first round pick. I don't see that happening because of all his issues. I mean, this guy has been suspended a couple of times. He had that whole incident with Snapchat, the video before the Dolphins game. It's unfortunate because the guy has so much talent, but it just seems like he's throwing it away. And because the Jets are deep at a defensive line with Leonard Williams, and even though he had a poor season, Muhammad Wilkerson as well. So I think you're going to see the Jets. They tried to trade him at the deadline. It didn't work. So they have all this time in the offseason to make something happen. But, Tom, one thing before we get into the offense, the thing that's interesting with all these moves, because the Jets are looking like they're going to be young this year, but what happens with Todd Bowles and Mike McCagnan? Because if they have a bad year number two out of three, if you're Woody Johnson, how can you possibly get, get rid of these two guys when you're pretty much gutting this whole roster? So, Tom, that doesn't make sense from that standpoint, because to me, Tom, you've got to still give Bowles and McCagnan some time here. Oh, absolutely, and I'm, I would have to think that uh, Woody Johnson would be thinking that uh, would be thinking that way when you because when you gut a team when you gut a team like that, you know you almost you're almost admitting that you're going to be in rebuilding mode. So uh, yeah, I would just absolutely have to think that uh, you know bold, like they would give them a uh, you know a fourth year option to see what they can do. Uh, I mean, especially because we haven't even really gotten to the. I'm sure we will. You know, getting to that uh, qu- the quarterback situation, uh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely uh, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. I just I just couldn't see them uh, gutting the team and then being, you know, if the Jets go like five and eleven next year, being like, oh, yep, sorry guys, we're going to go because they have to be a part of that process with the uh, rebuilding. It's going to be very interesting to see, as you mentioned, who the quarterback is going to be working with. The new offensive coordinator, the Jets hired ex-Saints receivers coach John Morton to lead the offense. He's going to bring a West Coast style. And actually, we actually might use a pass-catching tight end. Gee, what a concept to go with some of our young receivers we have, whether it's Quincy Anunwa, who came onto the scene last year, or Robbie Anderson, who has some nice games. They still have Sherrod Peak. They have Jalen Marshall. They have Devin Smith, who maybe we'll see something out of him. You never know. 
So they bring in John Morin, a guy who actually has never been an offensive coordinator before. So that's a little bit concerning, even though he was the OC back in 2009 with Pete Carroll at USC. And a new quarterback's coach, Tom, is a guy which is pretty good. He hasn't coached in the last four seasons. The last time he coached was back in 2012 when he was the Bears' offensive coordinator, and that's new quarterback coach Jeremy Bates. And, Tom, I don't care if he has any connections with Jay Cutler. I do not want Jay Cutler whatsoever in New York City. No, thank you. Oh, absolutely. I do not see uh, – that seems to be a common thread with uh, so many teams. I don't think – there aren't any teams really uh, – you know, uh, you know, chomping at the bit for uh, Jay Cutler. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens uh, with him. But yeah, you had mentioned uh, that in your uh, your notes before the show, and I was just like, oh yeah, no, it doesn't doesn't matter who's had a connection with Jay Cutler. I can't imagine that, uh, or I'm really hoping uh, at least my team uh, doesn't try and give him another chance. I think he's absolutely he's had enough time to prove what he can do in the NFL, and uh, yeah. We every everyone knows it's no secret anymore. Oh yeah, no, thank you. Enough. I mean, I think Jay Cutler will find a home. Some team will definitely take a chance with him, and maybe it's through a trade because the Bears are actively shopping him. No surprise there. But no, thank you. Whether it's Buffalo or New York, we don't want to see Jay Cutler anywhere near the tri-state area. But that is, I reiterated before, whether it's Morton or Bates, you better use a pass-catching tight end. It's been too long. Enough with Kellen Davis and this and that and Brandon Bostic. No, we need a guy who can catch the football. And especially if you're going to have a bunch of young receivers and you get rid of a veteran like Marshall, you should bring a veteran tight end who can catch the football. So let's hope that changes because Chan Gailey time, I know you know him well, but the fact that he didn't use a tight end was to me mind-boggling. You have to use a tight end. Come on. Oh, absolutely. And especially in uh, today's NFL, you know, you just, uh, they, they tend to be very valuable. And, uh, you know, some of them have been most productive uh, receivers in the NFL. Uh, just look at Travis Kelsey. He's one of the NFL's uh, leading receivers, not just amongst tight ends, but amongst everybody. And, uh, yeah, just in today's NFL, you know, maybe you'll go for, through the draft because I'm actually not sure which uh, free agents uh, tight end-wise are going to be available. Uh, I think, I mean, as far as I know, a lot of them are locked up. There's probably a few decent ones out there. But, uh, yeah, the draft may be another avenue for that. Now we get to the famous quarterback position with the Jets have been trying to solve since 1968. It's been that long since the Jets are trying to find the quarterback of the future for this team. And even though they might go in a a full rebuild mode, I can't see them going into this offseason, Tom, saying to themselves, okay, Petty and Hackenberg, you two guys will fight it off in training camp and the best guy wins. I can't see that whatsoever. So the Jets will bring in some sort of veteran. The question is, which one? Well, I'll tell you something. We mentioned Jay Cutler. I don't want him. I don't want who's been linked to the Cowboys. No. I don't want Brian Hoyer, and I don't care what he did last year in six games for the Bears. I don't want him either. So if you're telling me out of all the guys who are going to be available, and I'm not, I'm not interested in a Geno Smith reunion, even though he did that interview with uh, Mr. Rapsheet yesterday. No. So the one guy who I might take a chance with, uh, the one guy who I might take a chance with, Tom, and I know you've been a big critic of him in the past, but maybe he won't break the bank as much as we might initially think, and that's the backup quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 
Mr. Mike Glennon, who has been linked to the Jets in the past because before the Jets traded for Ryan Fitzpatrick a few years ago, Mr. Mike McCagnin inquired about uh, the Bucks quarterback. Oh, yeah. I mean, he definitely could be an option. And uh, I know a lot of teams have definitely uh, had had their eye on him. Uh, as I think, yeah, as I've said, I've never made it a secret. I just... Uh, I've not. I haven't really seen anything out of him that's led me to believe that he can be a, uh, you know, a uh, quality starting uh, quarterback in the NFL. But you know, I have been wrong before. Uh, I mean, yeah, maybe in a rebuilding mode, if he's not going to be too expensive, gives you an opportunity to have a uh, quarterback uh, over the course of the year, and perhaps, uh, you know, uh, put yourself in a good position to get a. Uh, a quarterback in the 2018 draft, which is going to be uh, from everything I have heard uh, is going to be a much heavier uh, and deeper uh, quarterback pool to pick from. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no doubt. I'm hearing the same thing as well in terms of that draft class in 2018. And as I mentioned the Chiefs before, we talk about them for one second here because I can't believe the reports I'm hearing that the Chiefs actually might have an interest in Tony Romo, and if that's the case, well, that means they're going to let go Alex Smith. So if that ever happens, Tom, which I highly doubt it will, but let's say if it did, I wouldn't mind seeing the Jets go after Alex Smith. This is a guy who I know his numbers are not sexy, but he completes a lot of his passes. He's still not relatively old. So if the Jets ever brought in him, Tom, that wouldn't be bad as well. Oh, no, absolutely not. I mean, I think he's about the same age as Aaron Rodgers. Probably has a few couple more years in him. Uh, yeah, I've never, I've never been an Alex Smith hater, and I think uh, he could actually be a good uh, fit on that team, and could actually, you know, despite all of the, uh, uh, despite all of the, uh, you know, uh, cuts that the Jets have made, could probably make the Jets uh, pretty effective. You know, he doesn't make very many mistakes. Uh, he's been in Kansas City. He's been pretty decent without, uh, aside from Travis Kelsey and. Uh, recently Jeremy Macklin, but who sometimes gets lost in the shuffle and has had some injury. He does, he does actually a lot with, uh, you know, some lesser tier receivers. So uh, it would be, uh, he may actually be a good fit. Uh, however, I, I've heard the rumors of uh, Kansas city going uh, after Romo, as opposed to Alex Smith, which I just don't get. Um, I mean, especially the past few years, Tony Romo can't stay on the field. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, if Alex Smith, uh, mm. Alex Smith somehow became a, uh, you know, available due to a Romo trade, uh, yeah, he he would have many suitors, and I think the Jets would probably be a uh, could actually be a good fit for him. And now we get to the number six overall pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, and the Jets, Tom, are actually used to picking number six. Some good. Some bad. It gets bad as Vernon Golston, and it gets good as Leonard Williams. So I don't know what direction this could be. Maybe it would be somewhere in between. I have no idea. But with the sixth overall pick in the draft, so many options for the Jets. A lot of mock drafts I have seen some defensive players. As you mentioned, the cornerback from The Ohio State, Marshawn Lattimore. But one guy who I'm keeping a very close eye on, and some Jeff fans have had a mixed bag, a mixed single in terms of what they would do with a running back at this spot. But, Tom, if the Jets ever took Leonard Fournette, I would not mind it at all. Say what you want about the running back position now. 
in the National Football League. I get that. But the Jets need playmakers on offense. They need game breakers. They need game changers. So if they have the opportunity to bring in Leonard Fournette, I would not mind that at all because let's not forget, okay, Matt Forte is 31 years old, and I like Bilal Powell, but people might not realize he's 28 years old. So if you're the Jets and you have the opportunity to get running back time, I know Jeff, Jeff, some Jeff fans might hate it, but I'm not one of them. I would welcome Fournette to the green and white. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, and people are just worried about this guy. And uh, definitely the season Ezekiel Elliott had uh, last season is uh, giving a lot of value to the, uh, not not just uh, Fournette, but there's another running back uh, who I've actually seen go as high as number four in the draft, and that's Dalvin Cook out of uh, Florida State. Uh, I've seen him actually taken ahead of Fournette, which uh, seems kind of funny. I'm going to have to watch more tape on him, but both of these guys could go in the uh, the top 10. and. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, Fournette would definitely be uh, – he's a bigger name out there, you know, definitely was just a beast at LSU. And, uh, yeah, it will uh, definitely be interesting to see. You know, in the next few weeks when free agency plays out and the combine happens, uh, it's definitely going to clear up the draft picture uh, quite a bit. But I still see Fournette uh, mocked quite a bit uh, – quite a bit to the Jets, but also a few other teams in the top 10 that could uh, would definitely be using, uh, definitely have use for running back would be the Jaguars who, vote, uh, who choose mm-hmm. uh, select four and the Carolina Panthers who select two after you at, uh, uh, at number eight. So also uh, don't rule out the possibility of another team may, uh, making a huge move to, uh, to jump into the uh, top 10 of the draft. Oh, sure. As we know, that could always happen. But the Jets need to break this trend, okay? They have not drafted an offensive player in the first round since 2009 when they traded up to get Mark Sanchez. Since then, it's been defense, defense, and more defense. So maybe this year that will finally change because to me, whether it's running back, to me this pick time is going to come to, and maybe quarterback, but I don't think the Jets are going to take a chance on one of these guys. I don't see it, but you never know. I think, Tom, this pick will come down to either a running back or, as you mentioned, some help in the secondary, whether it's Lattimore or maybe they'll look at one of the safeties, either Hooker or Adams. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I would definitely uh... – I mean, I'm probably leaning towards as much as you'd love to take an offensive player. I would probably put the I'd probably put the money on a defensive back. Uh, it just seems that's um, you know that's that's the big position of uh, this draft, and there's a lot of lot of talent uh, available. Uh, but also, don't rule out it is early, but this guy's quality is skyrocketing, uh, and it's a position of need for uh, you were mentioning earlier. Uh, I mean, it would be a huge, uh, huge place to take a tight end, but definitely don't uh, rule out Jay Howard out of Alabama, who was uh, definitely in the playoffs, made a huge, huge splash, and it's uh, definitely a uh, definitely in that upper echelon of uh, tight ends ever to uh, be in a draft. You know, could be as high as taking like Vernon Davis was about ten years ago, mm. and Eric Ebron. So. Uh, I mean, once the combine happens, this guy's a just a freak of nature athletically. So, uh, you're going to see O.J. Howard's stock really, really skyrocket. And, you know, who knows, maybe uh, maybe the Jets would be willing to, uh, you know, take care of that tight end position 
really quick, especially with someone with the uh, amazing potential of O.J. Howard. Well, let's hope so. It's about time, as I mentioned so many times on the program. I want a tight end who can catch the football. Tom, that's not too much to ask for, is it? Come on. No, no, absolutely not. You know, uh, it's uh, – I'm sure it is a fun thing. I mean, we have a we have a mediocre tight end in uh, Charles Clay, who's definitely overpaid. But uh, it is nice to see that he is actually pretty talented at catching the ball. So I I know it could uh, I know how much uh, the Jets would love one. Well, Tom, my man, thank you so much for joining me on the program on the last day of February, talking about the New York Jets. Obviously, we'll keep in touch throughout the week, and we'll continue our talk next week with all the latest news and rumors around the NFL. That sounds great, man. Thanks for having me on. Time, man. Thank you so much, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your week. Just a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Mark F. Ferraro. Murphy's at MurphyTB. Thanks for listening to the program. We don't know how much we appreciate it every single week. And as always, don't forget to tune in.